inventories. Why'd they do this time? I mean, this one isn't new, but it's just the kind of thing <laughs> that, you know, reminds you that it's always fucking Tories. It's never just the Tories or the Tory party. It's always fucking Tories. So what did the pick fuckers do this time around? Oh, this is one that's like from 2005 from the Tory graph, uh, better known as the Telegraph. Also known as like their more their version of like the Wall Street Journal opinion page, except it's a whole newspaper. It by David Harrison on January thirtieth, two thousand five, where which starts with the headline: "It's official, child labor is a good thing." What? Can you repeat that? It, its horrors were highlighted by Charles Dickens and countless campaigners since, but child labor, including prostitution, mining, deep sea fishing, and drug trafficking, should not be banned in poor countries, according to a study by the Royal Economic Society. Did, did they just advocate for underage sex work? Like, exploitation of, like, underage people? Apparently. I suppose in their minds they think it's an improvement over, like, the Seville check, uh, child sex rings or something. <laughs> but, I, good God. <laughs> I just took it's, another Epstein pill. It's, like, unironic. Yeah. Like, this is why the Tories always scare me more than the fucking Republicans. Because the Tories are, like, intelligently, viciously evil bastards who will like push this absolute dog shit like it's a legitimate idea for decades and they'll say it in such a boring genteel way oh yes yes it's, yes child trafficking is good actually yes where's dear, my money dear god I can't wait until the North American commune liberates the UK from Tory oppression. <laughs> Someday. Someday. Chairman Dow, my name is Terry. I'm five years old and I live in Glasgow. Please send my da the Film 92X Stinger service to air missile. Please, Chairman Dow, we need liberation from the Tory occupiers. <laughs> oh my god. Good god. Welcome to Chop Shop Economics. We read this shit so you don't have to. <laughs> and oh boy, we've got a lot of shit to read. Uh, yeah. My name is Miss Silver. With me today are Doctor Spider and Death. I am the air getting sucked out of your lungs after you're pushed out of the airlock. <laughs> so we lead off today with the White Horseman. With COVID surges and lots of them, they're they're continuing. Oh my, oh my God! 
it's it's fucking ridiculous. If you've been um, woken up in the middle of the night by a jolly yet phlegmatic chortling, that would be the plague father Nurgle uh, reveling in your dreams. Don't worry, it's normal. Yes. It's normal, unfortunately. So yeah, Arizona, Texas, and Florida are all reporting record high single-day increases in COVID-19 cases. Um, Friday, um, Arizona reported 3246 new COVID-19 cases. Um, and the record they'd previously set was 2519 the day before. Um, Texas reported uh, 3516 new cases on Thursday. Um, and that was an increase from their previous record of 3129 on Wednesday. Florida, 3822 new cases on Friday, beating their record on Thursday of 3207 new cases. In all of these cases, they broke the uh, the single-day record. And it gets even worse with Florida. Oh, yeah. It's hurricane season, and it's predicted to be an above-average one. And this is this is kind of where I shine, because I grew up in Florida, so I, I know what's involved with all of this. Um, you know, preparing for hurricanes is just, it's a fact of life. You come for the beaches, you stay for the hurricanes. Like, that's how it is. But the the strategy used, and I know we've talked about this um, on previous episodes, where I was worried about this exact fucking thing happening. They have to basically pack everyone into these large institutional buildings like schools and such. Uh, a lot of our schools are built as shelters. Um, for hurricanes. They're designed to take hurricane-grade winds. Um, some of them have generators on site, um, natural gas for cooking, things like that. Um, Is there also protection all... from nuclear, biological, and chemical attacks? Not quite. Um, and these shelters are necessarily very close quarters, because what they're basically doing is they're using um, the auditorium, gymnasium, all of those facilities are even, in some cases, um, clearing out uh, classrooms just to house people in these shelters. Um, this is where you go if you can't get out of state or to, you know, um, an inland location where, you know, you can write things out. Yeah, you're not and... expecting to sleep in the hurricane shelter for more than, you know, hopefully a week. Yeah. But, all, like I said, all of this is done in close quarters. Um, there's no alternative. And all of this is coming right as the ICU beds fill up in Florida. I, I wish I were making this up. Um, it's Can somebody pitch fact. me? It feels like we're in a nightmare. Anybody? 
Anybody? Who could have possibly (laughs) foreseen this? Other than every fucking public health official ever. I'm so shocked. No, please, do not hurl the peasants into the volcano for market. Are you high? There was. But the free market fairy is hungry. We gotta feed the free market fairy. (laughs) And this is all the states that were just like, yeah, we'll totally push people off the fucking market cliff. Yeah, this is this is so fucked. It's and so on June so on June eighteenth, several Florida medical centers reported dwindling ICU bed availability. And several of those reported no availability at all, according to a report published by Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration. An accompanying report found about seventy five percent of available hospital beds statewide are currently in use. Chua Palm Beach County's 17 hospitals have met ICU bed capacity along with one hospital in Miami-Dade County. So that's like three hospitals in the West Palm to Miami uh, conurbation. And most of these hospitals have filled more than half of the beds in intensive care units just for COVID victims. So in other words, exactly what the World Health Organization said would happen. Yeah. And I mean, it's worth keeping in mind that most of these patients can't be transported. And guess what the standard procedure for a lot of these hospitals is? Evacuation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what what you're telling me is that Florida is no longer going to be the waiting room to the afterlife. It's just going to be the graveyard. Yeah. It's like the express yeah, that's, train. that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And to, to be absolutely scrupulously fair, I don't think any state in the United States can handle this intersection of circumstances, but good God, the panhandlers in fucking Tallahassee, they really fucked us. Ah, God. Aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you want to go ape shits? Yes! Yes, I do! At least we can laugh at the sad thing. (laughs) There's always that. I mean, we can at least share in our misery in knowing that... (laughs) We're going to talk about Bunker Bitch? Yeah. Knowing that (laughs) that shithead is actually capable of, like, feeling something other than like a perpetual cocaine buzz yeah wait i'm worried i think there's a shortage of cocaine now (laughs) Uh, that was larry's fault fucking larry (laughs) larry why do you have to fuck us like this well it's not his fault that the uh, whole like comeback rally was an absolute the amazing COVID shit show. <laughs> I mean, at least this one wasn't Larry's fault. Yeah, I I have to say, critical solidarity with the K-pop army. They did us a solid yeah. there. So, six of his staffers tested positive when they were setting up this rally 
I hesitate to even call it that at this point, um, that was attended by 6,200 people. Um, and it's worth... For, like, point mm-hmm. of reference, Nickelback sold out this venue. Yeah. Like, this this arena regularly fills up. Tulsa is not that large a market for this kind of thing, but they managed to fill that arena most of the time. And the tickets were free. Yeah. So do we <laughs> want to expand on why they prepared for overflow capacity but only got 6,200 people? Why are we standing the K-pop army? There's there's a reason. Basically, what happened was... Oh my god, this this is fucking incredible. There were viral TikTok videos going around telling people to sign up for these things with like fake names, um, fake, you know, Google Voice phone numbers, fake everything. And they got it nearly a million signups. Um now there's no way to know how many of those were a result of the K-pop army, um, or armies, I should say. Um, <laughs> but the problem is, is that doesn't fucking matter because the whole point of this is to funnel money into Trump's reelection campaign. And they do that because they have a very sophisticated data operation to extract as much money as possible from some you know, random Chud Boomer. Basically Trump's grift, yeah. but nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is, is that every single sign up from that source has to either be thrown away or manually sorted through. And most of this stuff can't really be targeted. There's there's a few things you can do to like manually verify the data set, but uh, yeah, it's it's an enormous task. We're talking about a million records. This is like this is every marketer's worst fucking nightmare. Their data set being <laughs> so. What you're telling me here is that the K-pop army pulled a pulled a Rome on Carthage and salted their entire fucking database. This is fucking glorious. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's like the fucking Zoomers who made this happen were like that fucking shit with Bane in uh, that Christopher Nolan Batman flick where he's all like, you learned how to fight in the shadows. I was raised in them. As he's like, fucking like digital Zoomers are like, bitch, I've been tweeting since I like knew what letters were. Let's go. Oh my god. Like, I'm not going to be surprised if, like, one day we have, like, the Zoomers go full great cultural revolution on the boomers at this rate. It's like, meanwhile, the, like, Xers are, like, cracking open beers and the millennials are like, yeah, we're cool with them being shitty. <laughs> Oh 
Ah, uh, but the White Horseman is not the only one to march on the field. Nope. What about the Red One? Oh, so we get to begin this with, unfortunately, with some actual bloodshed. Um, yeah. So for those who have been following the uh, the Chaz, the Chop, the Autonomous Zone in Seattle, um, uh-huh. there was news reported on June... 20th of a shooting at the autonomous zone um there's a number of different reports that are going around there's some that are claiming it was like a drive-by from a black suv um there's some who are saying it was some kind of like altercation in camp that escalated i mean this is being 2020 i'm gonna go with the black suv just as a matter of of course um that happened but anyway two people were shot and one unfortunately perished on the way to the hospital and their departure was delayed by the people the medics there genuinely like doing the sensible thing of calling the fire department because you know nwa hasn't dropped a track called fuck the firefighters yet so they're they're probably cool but they claimed they couldn't go because it was a hot zone. Even though by that point the shooter was already gone, whoever they were. And, and get this, and the cops that delay- were act- actively keeping out the paramedics from coming into the Chaz. Yeah, and oh yeah, and the cops showed up like twenty minutes late in a full fucking riot block. And tried to come in, and the people at the Chaz were like, um, fuck no, we were calling fucking paramedics and firefighters, who the hell are you? Um, so in the, and by that point, the, like, the, the victims were already on their way to the hospital, so it was kind of a moot point. So, based, yeah, we have at least now one person who's dead because of police inaction, um, and there would I mean, probably would be more people dead if it weren't for the heroic activities of the Chaz medics. Yeah. And yeah. we're, of course, like, charitably assuming parody alert that the black SUV, you know, left his badge at home that night. Parody. I swear. Yeah. Allegedly, they, they left their badge at home. Allegedly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, a widespread allegation that the cops wash their bedsheets and their uniforms in the same loads. One one that's allegedly 100% true. Yeah. But yeah, so that's... And this isn't the... Like, we're getting straight up fucking Night Riders shit going on. Like, Reconstruction era Night Rider shit happening all over the place. Like, we're getting shit like nooses being hung in parks in the Bronx. And then when, like, people call the police, they show up and they're like, that looks like that's there for hoisting a pinata. Um, there was one young black man who was hanged in Los Angeles. The coroner very quickly ruled it to be suicide. And then their brother was shot. Like, their half-brother was, like, shot shortly after. By the police. And, like, yeah, and there, in Portland, there was a black trans woman who was hung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, suicide. Totally. Of course it is. 
Like, this has ha been happening all over the country. Like, this is not just, like, this is not suicide. This is the police declaring fucking war on black and brown communities. Yeah, because they realized they'd hitched their wagon to a bunch of really pathetic MAGA sad boys who couldn't organize a piss-up in a brewery, and were expecting them to do this heavy lifting, and then were like, oh shit, actually... You guys have been a problem in a few places and to have legitimately threatened people, but we were hoping yeah. you'd actually be able to, you know, live up to our fucking, like, cop-wank fantasies of the Hells Angels riding to our rescue or something. Which is was actually a thing, by the way, in law enforcement today. Was actually a thing. Oh my god. Like, the police are just going full Cossack and just doing full-on pogroms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's no way to sugarcoat it. That's what these people are fucking doing. If you love our country, love our police, and love red wine, then you'll love Thin Blue Wine, a cabaret blend that celebrates American exceptionalism. Back the blue, drink good wine. I mean, I'm sure it's just, you know, Trader Joe's two-buck chuck. Which is like 20% liquidated bugs. <laughs> you know, there's a reason it's two-buck chuck. Like, normally, I don't, go, I don't go for the whole kosher wine thing, but in this case, like, unless you're prepared to drink liquefied bug smoothie, then... Maybe you should have some manchevitz. Yeah. And that, I mean, they're really going all in on this shit. And that's, like, kind of an answer to, like, this... Like, we're seeing this shit of the cops actively, like, right... Like, we know there's a huge overlap between people that are fucking Nazis and people that are fucking cops. And it would totally fit to just be like, right, we're just going to like take off the badges and go to town. Or we're going to find people and conveniently leave guns lying around and let them go to town. Like, they've done this shit since fucking Pro and the Red Squads and shit. So this isn't like a new trick for them. It's just that th this is happening at such scale is and so quickly is like it's both really fucking appalling but it's also kind of stupid. Yeah. So whoever had American Years of Lead on their bingo board, well, uh, you guessed correctly. Yeah, you get this one. And the reason why I say it's stupid is because it's awful. It's terrible. This is killing people. This is absolutely creating a climate of fear that is totally intolerable and absolutely authoritarian. But it's also doing shit that is going to keep pissing people off. And it doesn't matter how many liberal opportunists go to the autonomous zones if they end up walking away shouting a cab because the cops showed up with a riot block when people called for an ambulance. Like, the carceral state is doing that heavy lifting of fuck you for us. Yeah. And it's really. I mean, we are how many weeks into this fucking police riot? I don't see any de-escalation from the police happening 
happening, they're only getting more and more intense. They're, yeah. they're just pouring more and more gasoline on the fire. And, and boys, the fire is going crackle, crackle, crackle. And this is in spite of elected yeah. officials trying to throw concessions and, like, reduce the steam. Uh-huh. I just... Good God. I mean, I don't... I don't really know what there is to be done that can be discussed publicly, obviously. There's well, like, a lot that can be done in Minecraft. Allegedly. <laughs> they could. Yeah, you know. Do the yeah. whole uh, other option for dealing with the White Glove Society kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. That's a great way to pass the time and fall out. Mm-hmm. But like, and it's what's so nuts about it is they're making the argument for abolition for the abolitionists. Yeah, they, oh could, they, they could have God. mitigated defunding. The fucking shit lips could have found a way to mitigate things with defunding and found ways to spin it away. But I mean, I'm starting to worry a little that they're going to the ruling class is going to eventually decide that you know what the Tories are right. Public policing is not a good idea. Um, we shouldn't be funding these police. We should be funding G4S. Yeah, then that makes G- things really simple. <laughs> They're not going to be that naked oh, yeah. about it. And it's not like that's the only yeah. place we're seeing the Red Horseman ride. We've got that slap fight that got the entire American media going oh shit it's world war three for a hot minute if anybody Mm -hmm. thinks that a glorified sports riot is gonna bring world war three well i have multiple bridges in portland to sell you Mm -hmm. all 20 of them Mm -hmm. i have really good deal you know call call 1-800-555-9121 and I will hook you up. Because <laughs> there's this thing called Modi's awful, Xi Jinping is his own brand of fuckery. But neither of them are like Trump levels of stupid enough to be like, yes, I'm going to actually start a full tilt war over some of the most like land that can only be reached by like a fucking crooked ass goat track and a lot of praying. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about... Like, they're not jump We're we're talking about land where, like, you can barely fly a helicopter because there's just not enough air to develop lift. Okay, okay, I have an idea. This this is how we'll get what... This is how we'll make a booming business out of selling weapons to both the Indian and Chinese armies. We will acquire some llamas. We will acquire some tactical lasers. We will arm the llamas with tactical lasers. And we will sell them to the PRC and India. Literally nothing can go wrong with giving llamas lasers. Totally. (laughs) 
That's like Iran-Contra levels of foolproof. What could possibly Of course, you know, five years later, we could be under the hoof of the laser llamas. Eh, at least they'll make the trains run on time. Ah, a near miss in Libya. What the fuck was that about? Oh, yeah, so... uh, Everyone and their mother in the Middle East has been fucking around in Libya since uh, Obama and the British and the French went, we're going to, like, knock over a sovereign government and not do anything and watch as this part of the world descends in, and watches like the former state of Libya descends into literal fucking slave markets um, as different groups are fighting it out for control. Um, Turkey's people have been getting their asses handed to them lately, so Turkey's been escalating things. And Egypt, who does, is in opposition to like the Turkish uh, forces in Libya, just stepped up and went, yeah, you're gonna, like, back the fuck off, or this means war. And they did. (laughs) Oh, man, that's... Yeah. That's the world. Jesus. (sighs) But there is yet another horseman... On the horizon. Uh, the black yapping horseman approaches. <laughs> what does he bring? The, so or rather, who, what does he yap? Who had the Irish potato famine on their bingo card? Anyone? Anyone? I did. Oh, alright, you get this one. Um, so, apparently that meat shortage that happened was because American meat companies decided that COVID-19 was a perfect time to set records for exporting meat to China. The end. Excuse me, what? Can can you repeat that? Yeah, they basically did this. The anger made it hard for me to hear. Like, they, they did the same shit that British landlords pulled in Ireland during the potato famine. Where they went, people don't have enough food because of a potato blight, but we're growing all this fucking grain and livestock and all these other high value crops we can sell over in England. And instead of, you know, not starving people, we're going to export it and make money while people fucking starve. And that's what the American meat industry apparently has been doing since like March. So, you know how there's sacrifices going to the free market ferry with the volcano gig, with the volcano shtick and everything? What if we, in Minecraft, made some sacrifices to the great god of guillotines and revolution? (laughs) You know, I mean, this is just... It, the fact that these bastards had the gall to then turn around and beg for money because COVID was destroying their supply chain, which legitimately was destroying their supply chains, but that 
they turn around and use this to go, oh no, we need huge piles of money, and then promptly turn around and went, yeah, fuck this, like, you know, meat shortage that we're causing. Which is a serious problem for, you know, like, maintaining this thing called nutrition in the United States because of how American food works, unfortunately. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Instead, they're like, nah, fuck that. Let's, like, do the capitalist thing. Let's export all of it. God, I... Every day, I just find another reason to get more and more angry. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we're not gonna have an anger shortage anytime soon. My thought here is, what if we find some way to turn anger into a fertilizer for crops, and we and we use that to to feed everybody? Because we don't have a shortage of that. There's no shortage of anger anywhere. Oh yeah, uh-huh. we could probably power the grid on that at this uh-huh. point. But it doesn't prop up the dollar. Oh no! Oh no! I mean, no. It's just it another, not. like, vote of no confidence by good old-fashioned American corporations in the American economy. Yep. So, remember, uh, remember an episode or two when we mentioned that Goldman Sachs is shorting the dollar? And, well, we have some news to report, and... Here cometh the pale rider. Yep. So, so I know we've been, yeah, I know we've been bearish on the dollar, um, but we haven't really, we yeah. haven't really explained why we're predicting that. Well, we haven't Not been too much so detail. much bearish as we've been like the bear popes of the dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we do shit in the woods because we are the bear popes. Wait, the Pope is shitting in the woods? Bear shit in the woods. And, you know, bear popes. So I guess, you know, popes do too. I mean, this pope probably would. He's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. He's less bad. Uh, I could see him shitting in the woods. He's like the Obama of the Catholic Church. But anyhow, this is entirely off topic, but in the Bloomberg, uh, uh, the journalist Miret Magdi reported that Egypt raised $5 billion in the largest ever issuance in international bond markets of Eurobonds, Euro mind you, and they used their dollar reserves in order to buy this. And that's already on top of $2 billion of Eurobonds that they acquire, acquired already. Uh, the Egyptian economy is very, very strong right now. It's one, it's one of the countries that is very, very close to being basically self-sufficient. They have reserves of resources that could, that could last them for years. The entire world could be sieging Egypt and they would, and they would be fine in regards to resources. So investors are extremely confident in Egypt right now. Uh, they recently got an infusion of cash and 
of about $2.72 billion and $772 million uh, from the IMF. And they're looking to get about $5 billion more. And they're basically going to be using this money uh, for, for, from the IMF. And they're basically selling off their dollar reserves for the 20, well, not all of it, but a good portion of their dollar reserves for the 20 to 21 fiscal year, as well as to fight COVID-19. Uh, and for this for this bond sale, uh, subscription orders exceeded about $22 billion. Uh, and Egypt, and here's the kicker, this is not just it. This is not just, they're not just looking to get into euro bonds. Egypt is looking to get more diverse financing resources in ones and other Asian currencies. So they're bailing on the dollar. And that's that's the thing that we're talking about here is when we're... Like, when we've been saying the dollar is fucked, this isn't a story, uh, this is not going to be a story of one day the European Union or the People's Republic of China woke up and went, you know what, fuck the dollar, light it on fire. Um, it's more going to be starting with, like, emerging markets like Egypt, um, and uh, bond traders going, you know what, it's actually not worth me buying these U.S. treasuries anymore, which still have just the most fucking dog shit yields. Like, it's it's the kind of thing that's like, eventually, people are going to stop buying U.S. treasuries in sufficient quantities to keep up with the issuing of new treasury securities and bonds and instruments. All of which yeah. the Fed needs to keep shooting money into space to get Wall Street's dick hard. Yeah. And like this isn't this isn't that, you know, Obama era right wing fantasy of oh China's gonna margin call all our debt because they own all our foreign currency reserves. No. The real world does not fucking work that way. The bleeding is going to start elsewhere, and it has. Oh, and speaking of bleeding, because of that fucking dick grinder contest between the U.S., Saudi Arabia, and Russia, Saudi Arabia is basically caught between the bullhorns and needs money to not have their economy explode. So, mm -hmm. because because of of what Egypt did, what just did, they took some inspiration and decided to sell part of their dollar reserves in order to invest in order to basically invest money in let me see Facebook, Walt Disney, Marriott, Cisco, Citigroup, Bank of America, Carnival Cor uh, Corporation, Carnival. Live Nation. They They're basically betting what? on travel and what? entertainment. What? Right at a time where what? nobody is do get looking to get travel or entertainment. They're basically what? just pouring their money right into the fucking fire. Are they just, like, shooting the brown acid straight into their eyeballs after doing an eight ball? Oh, Jesus. Yeah, like... This market fuck? is... 
a fucking pipe dream. It's not even a bubble. It's Wall Street is still coming down off their high. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like for uh, and for this particular information, which came from uh, I mean, what NPR, are they going to invest in like fucking hurt snacks? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Watch this. So space. They rejected that. Um, Watch this space. They, uh, that's they all rejected I'm that. <laughs> um, just as a quick aside, um, I know we talked about it like last episode, um, but that uh, equity issuance that um, they were trying to do, uh, it failed. Because, duh. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The SEC was like, yeah, no, that's that's too stupid even for us. <laughs> the judge said, uh, we're sorry, but zombies don't have rights in the United States. So, deal. And do you want to hear something hilarious about, uh, about Saudi Arabia? Other than they decided to say, yes, we're gonna, like, sell the house, plunk it down on a sexy ride, and barrel off to vegas so uh they were trying to sell five percent of aramco to get a hundred billion dollars and and they were expecting this to help fill a deficit of almost 13 percent of their of the output of their economy because well saudi arabia is really really fucked right now and they only got thirty billion by selling one point five percent of their shares. And literally, this money does not help them in any way or manner at all because it literally came from inside their own fucking financial system. So entirely fucking useless. It's just they literally just got their buddies like from like a gate from like a game of backgammon and said, "Hey, uh, do you want to invest in this great opportunity?" But and they invested, but it literally does absolutely nothing. So, uh, so they got get the this. same turnout for their uh, investment offering as Trump did in Tulsa. Basically, yeah, it's not great. Uh, so, in response, uh, have it, have either of you watched uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia"? Oh yeah. Well, the gang thinks austerity will work this time around. The government has tripled the VAT rate tax. They've eliminated allowances for state workers, and they're cutting spending on headline projects. So that always works, especially when the thing that is literally your entire economy is currently in a death spiral. Yeah, like literally, like what as a result of like starting to sell off like their dollar reserves, like the thing that people have to realize. Is that Saudi Arabia's currency, the oh god, the what is the real is pegged to the dollar. Why the real is getting pe- pegged by the dollar, like Well it's cause I have no idea. Well that's cause like uh Kissinger cut a deal with the Saudis in nineteen seventy four that basically said you're gonna buy a whole truck ton of US uh finances now that Bretton Woods is kaput and we're no longer backing this shit by the dollar and we'd like your oil money to be the new like tent pole for the value of the US monetary order 
So wait, you're telling me that Kissinger basically went, you know, went with Saudi Arabia to Babeland, bought a strap, and has had the U.S. dollar pegging the real and Saudi Arabia in general for the last several decades? More or less, yeah. Please do not put that image in my head. I mean, yes, aside from, you know, that part. But yes. <laughs> so basically, uh, they went from about $500 billion with it within their uh, foreign currencies reserve to about $448.6 billion. Uh, and the thing is, for, in order for the real to be stably pegged to the U.S. dollar, it's been estimated that the Saudi Arabia needs to have at least $300 billion in their foreign currency reserves of dollars. If they don't, they are absolutely fucked. Yep. And the thing is, them selling off their part of their dollar reserves only opens up the door for them to do, do more of that. And for everyone else to do it, too. Like, the United Arab Emirates also <laughs> did the exact same thing. Of, yeah, we're going to sell dollar <laughs> reserves and then turn around and put it in the stonks. Because that seems smart. Totally. Yeah, this was in the Bloomberg by Neri Idayu Ismail, uh, Kyung Chao, and Archana uh, Narayanan. And they're basically, they basically attracted about $25 billion of orders from issuing a $7 billion deal. And uh, the CEIC reported that uh, that back in um, that back in February, UAE dollar reserves were at a high of 109 billion dollars. In March, it went down to 104.8 billion dollars. And in April, it went down to 99.4 billion dollars. It has been about two months since that report came out. And I guarantee you, considering this news in the Bloomberg, that their dollar reserves are only going down the drain more and more and more. And this so. just like throttles the dollar more because, again, part of the problem and part of why the rates for like T-bills are circling the drain is because we have a problem of either or i mean there isn't sufficient data to tell which one it is but it'll probably come out pretty soon either the fed is printing more money than people are willing to buy so that's depressing the rates on treasury instruments or not enough people are buying the instruments to keep up with the fed's output mm -hmm. And actually, the mm -hmm. answer is probably both. It's just a question of to which degree it's what. But this is going to mean you get more currency coming in when the Fed's already, like, lighting mountains of money on fire in ways that really sh would have, like, you know, any government south of the equator cooed in five minutes. Mm -hmm. Flat. Yeah. Like, and the thing is here, we're not just talking about, like, Egypt or or Saudi Arabia, or the UAE, we're talking also about 
Kuwait and Qatar and in general, like the majority of um, the emerging markets all around the world. And if they're doing that, then you bet your ass that the exact kind of rabid fucking sharks that run finance are going to see that and they're going to immediately go after the blood. They're not going to give a shit that, you know, it's coming from them. They're just going to follow the blood. And that's what's going to shred the dollar in the end. It is going to be some crazy ass Wall Street feeding frenzy that kicks in the moment some shithead at Standard & Poor's or Moody's or like Goldman Sachs says the game's up. Here's the chum bucket. Time to pull the copper out of the walls, pile it into the private jet, and fly off to New Zealand. Yeah. Like that's that's their plan. And and it's when you look at the way this shit happens, like the one thing you can guarantee about this modern neoliberal capitalist bullshit is it will do things bigger, faster, and worse than all previous mm-hmm. crises. So when this hits, we're not going to be talking like the degradation of the Reichsmark after the First World War levels of deterioration. We're going to be talking like within a couple of days and it gets worse so unfortunately people the free market fairy can't help you out here amidst the labor market not doing so well and COVID-19 worries we saw 10-year treasury note yields drop from 0.699% to 0.693%. We saw two-year Treasury note yields drop from 0.197% to 0.193%. And 30-year Treasury note yields drop from 1.512% to 1.47%. And like, get this, like the Fed, the federal chairman is literally saying, saying how we know he wants to help out black and brown people by, you know, ensuring a strong job market. But (laughs) there's literally nothing that the Fed can do in order to ensure that. Like, (laughs) things are utterly fucked. And if you want to... They're pushing rope and shooting blanks at this point. So (laughs) the hell are they going to do for anyone else? And if you want to drop down even further... The Council for Foreign Relations uh, recently released a very, very interesting analysis by Brad W. Seltzer that the foreign investors have, back in March, sold about $300 billion. Uh, And technically, if you adjust that for likely valuation changes, it can amount to about $400 billion to like back of treasury bonds back in March. Uh, and basically as a result, the federal reserve had to do large purchases to counter foreign outflows of money because the, the world's reserve managers were fucking pulling funds out of the treasury market. What we were talking about earlier, the reserve managers within the world, they already recognize that there is a fucking problem. And, the thing is here, like the dollar's position as a lead reserve currency in the world, that basically fucks o- 
that basically held down treasury yield rates, which makes the Federal, Federal Reserve's job not, not easier, but fucking harder. Because, like, the demand for, like, treasury bonds and dollars fell so dramatically in March as, like, the, as emerging markets sold off record amounts of reserves to stabilize their own markets. And investors were panicking, not just investors, the central banks were pan panicking. Like, there's the argument that could be made that, like, the treasury market is so deep and so liquid that it can absorb even large sales of treasury bonds by large reserve managers. But, no, that's entirely wrong. Like, the private market seized up that even central banks were selling. Like, there were not enough buyers to meet new supply and there was so much like volatility that it led to like an illiquid market. Yeah, this shit's falling apart. People aren't stupid. The dollar is not protected by divine providence. <sighs> like, so yeah, we're we're gonna stand by that. That the dollar will eat shit. Before 2020 is over. Like, mm -hmm. absolutely eat shit. Like, the only way that, like, for the, all the, for all of those, for that illiquid market that the Federal Reserve was able to avoid, like, shit going wild, was they basically had to open up lines of liquidity swap lines to foreign central banks to ensure that they had enough dollars. Because... Mind you, there was a literal dollar global dollar shortage that was happening in this point in time. Like, keep in mind that in for that you know altogether that foreign markets own about forty trillion dollars in U.S. assets, and they have about twelve trillion dollars of debt, not to the United States, but basically because the the U.S. dollar is used as the global reserve currency. Uh, a lot of nations will basically use the dollar in order to pay debts, you know, between themselves and other countries. But because there was a literal global dollar shortage, that was not possible. So you had the Federal Reserve intervene into this fucking mess. And, and the thing is here, like, a strong, like, when you have a global dollar shortage that makes the dollar so strong, it reduces the income of foreign corporations. It basically, you know, forces U.S. institutions to fund the U.S. government institutions, uh, U.S. government deficits. And the thing is, like, U.S. institutions have been doing this for nearly five years, and they're nearly tapped out, and they're dealing with, like, a flat profit in dollars. Like, the dollar is not having a good one here. The dollar is having a very, very, very bad one. Like, and the thing is, like, what has been happening is investors are literally, like, moving to yens and francs and euros. So, in response to this fucking crisis, the Federal Reserve, like, you know, flooded, I mean, as, you know, we saw in, like, the, the previous months, like, flooded the market with, like, so much liquidity. And the thing is, like, what people don't realize, there's a misconception that, you know, changes in the economic income, out, the changes in the economic outcomes 
will cause will cause changes in global liquidity. But that's actually not quite the case. It's changes in global liquidity tend to precede changes in uh, in economic outcomes. So basically, what happens is when you see a uh, sharp spikes in the dollar index, that tends to coincide with bottoms in the global equity markets. And there's actually a very, very funny name for them. They're called TED spreads. Like I like to imagine a teddy bear that is on one of those medieval torture devices that literally just like is pulling a person apart. So I think of TED spreads as a teddy bear torture spread device. So when you have the, the rate differential high, when the teddy when the teddy bear is being stretched out very, very, very much, uh, there's basically, and you see, you know, ca cotton flowing out of the teddy bear, there's a shortage of dollars in offshore financial assets, where if there's a lower spread, if the teddy bear isn't being tortured as much, then there's a lot of dollar liquidity to go around. So uh, basically, because the, the teddy bear is being tortured so much right now, the Federal Reserve is doing like all of these liquidity, liquidity swaps to all of these different central banks, basically loaning them out dollars in exchange for foreign currency as collateral. Um, blah, 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 something about the Shanghai Accord. Um, and the thing is, like, the, the big, like, economic crisis that we, that we saw, like, kick off back in what was it March like that was because we were seeing another high a high TED spread that's that's when we were seeing the teddy bear getting tortured and just caught and flying around everywhere uh and you know we're likely gonna see if and if there is another we're likely gonna see another high TED spread because the crisis that we're seeing in the United States with the economy there's no sign of it getting better anytime soon. So if that happens, the Federal Reserve is already so desperately trying to pour money into the U.S. economy. And if there is another teddy bear that gets tortured and, you know, falls apart, then, I mean, the Federal Reserve is already buying individual stocks. Like, what are they going to do? They could theoretically buy the entire stock market, but the economy is not going to, it's still not going to get any better. So what do they do after that? Is there, is there something beyond the, Doc, can you f let me know? It's, I mean, you're an economist. Is there something beyond the entire stock market that could be, you know, I mean, finance? At, at this point, it's, they've made finance a new joke. It's, you're going to either have to remonetize the U.S. currency which is its own special, like, there's a reason that that doesn't happen often, because that means you are good and totally fucked, and you're accepting that you're going to be fucked forever. Um, or it's a war economy of some kind. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what would have to happen, is it would basically have to be the United States admitting its currency is worthless, which would completely destroy whatever's left of the economy, assuming, you know, the economy's not already fucking dead or owned by the Fed. Yeah. And, and, the and the but, you know, we, we always have the other option of embracing the warm glow of the fires of capitalist hell. Is this the, you know, wonderful 
cyberpunk dystopia that I've heard so much written about? Are we well, going to see literal shadow runners on the streets? Well, you know, not if everything that we've seen on Juneteenth keeps up, which the cops that, seem to be interested in fueling. That reminds me, uh, the things are going to get very, very interesting in August because right now, the only thing that is just barely, barely keeping the economy up, and I'm not talking about the fucking stock market. I'm talking about the economy of, like, of, you know, it's been termed You're talking about the real economy. Yeah, the real fucking economy. Yeah. Like, the only thing that's been keeping that up was the $1,200 the $1, checks, the 600 extra dollars, you know, above the usual unemployment benefits, like the Bernie Bucks. And the small business loans. That's literally the only thing that has been keeping the real economy up above water. And the thing is, you know, the reason why I mentioned August is by the end of June, uh, PPP loans mature and can turn into grants if small businesses meet certain criteria, basically keeping your employees. But once July comes, then they have more, and I say this in air quotes, more freedom to fire employees. At end of July, Bernie bucks go away. So that extra $600 per week, say goodbye to that. And literally, this has been sending, like, th this has been sending about 70 to $80 billion per month into the real economy. And Mitch McConnell, literally, Mitch McConnell has said that he absolutely refuses to extend it, the, to extend it. Like, if there is somebody out there who is a sorcerer that can, you know, put a curse upon Mitch McConnell and turn him into a turtle, I beg of you, I literally beg of you, please, please, please turn that fucking sadistic fucker into a fucking turtle. And, I don't know, maybe make turtle soup with him? It's probably more or, pr pr a productive use you know, of Mitch McConnell than anything else. Or, you know, just hear me out here for a second. Or other possibility he was visited in the night by the ghosts of Karl Marx, Peter Kropotkin and Judy Berry and they convinced him that capitalism was evil and he needed to accelerate its demise you know so the reason why earlier i mentioned why a key time to watch is in august is if you know if these things that we see at the end of the june and the end of july happen then we're likely to see a crisis in deflation. The dollar is going to get stronger. And remember earlier that I mentioned that when the dollar gets stronger, we get the teddy bear tortured. We're going to see equity sell-offs. And we are likely going to see a corporate solvency fucking crisis. Like, remember last week how I was talking about how all these corporations have these very you know, have been addicted to fucking corporate business loans that, you know, rhyme with what happened back in 2007 with the fucking mortgage crisis. We're going to see, we're going to start to see corporation by corporation by corporation fail. And this fucking crisis, uh, like all those CLOs that are held by everybody and their grandma and their dog, are going to start failing. We're likely going to see these uprisings that we're seeing all across the United States get more 
and more and more intense. And we're already seeing like one of the biggest stri uh, strike waves that we have seen since uh, a long ass time that it's like, only going to get. Yeah, like oh. something like since George Floyd's execution by pigs, there have been a recorded 500 wildcat strikes in two weeks. That's like 500 different examples of workers downing tools and walking off the job, union or not, in strike action. That's more than to all strikes period from like, you know, 2001 to 2018. So, Doc, do you want to hear about, you know how in Dwarf Fortress, how dwarfs can do a, a temper tantrum spiral and then the entire uh, fortress, you know, falls apart? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So do you want to hear yeah. about how this, about a possible ten, temper tantrum spiral that that could happen if Mitch McConnell continues to be sadistic? Ooh. So, the, oh God, we're turning into boat murdered. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, I've heard it said that losing is fun. Apparently. So. <laughs> So the treasurer, the Treasury General account of the entire U.S. government has about one point five trillion dollars in it. If any of these fuckers tell you that they don't have any money to, you know, pay for universal health care education or to, you know, do UBI or any of the stuff that actually would help people and help our economy, they have mm -hmm. a literal dragon horde, a treasure sitting in the fucking treasury. Yeah. So basically, the Treasury wants to en end this fiscal year with about, instead of having $1.5 trillion in there, about $800 billion in there. In order to do so, they need to spend more than $700 billion because if they don't do that, they're going to have to issue more tre like Treasury notes. And right. the, thing, and the, thing, the thing is... I am extremely doubtful because of Mitch McConnell and those Republican turtle fuckers being utterly statistic and wanting to punish the poor as much as possible. And when I say this, I'm not saying that the Democrats are any better. Like, they will go along with this 100%. I do not trust those fuckers. So if, the, if they don't do more of a stimulus, then more treasury notes are going to be are going to be issued. The dollar is likely going to spike. People are like people are going to buy these treasury notes. So the Fed will basically have to buy more and exhaust more of its resources. The economy is fucked. Like literally yeah. in my fucking notebook, I just wrote fuck shit, economy fucked. This is oh, yeah. the temper tantrum spiral. And this is as we're seeing like on Juneteenth, this was we had the longshoremen uh union declaring a in across west coast united states and canada strike for one shift on juneteenth which they've done this before they did this in support for occupy in a couple of ports they did it to protest the iraq war um they actually shut down the ports in uh 
reverence to Martin Luther King when he was assassinated. Um, so the Longshoremen ha- kind of have a history of doing this and have figured out a whole song and dance for how to basically get away with solidarity strikes, even though solidarity strikes are totally illegal in the United States. Um, so for them to just be like, no, fuck it, we're doing exactly what this looks like at every place we represent, which, by the way, happens to be, you know, the the artery for anything coming from China is by itself incredible. But then we had the UAW stage an eight-minute work stoppage at all locations, like the United Auto Workers at all locations, in solidarity with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter. And the UAW is like, I mean, they're going through a whole like corruption shit right now. They kind of like do veer into the territory at times of being like your stereotypical labor skate corrupt assholes. But the they don't really have the same history of regular solidarity strikes locally or union wide. So that's like two of the most powerful, like in terms of can actually really put their hands around the throat of the real economy unions flexing and all the projections like from like if say there had been a similar strike in like 2015 when the longshoremen were under their contract negotiations was basically this is going to cause a cascading disaster for the economy if we don't settle with these guys because they will actually strike and they will actually break us so we've got labor is coming out with the revolts in the street in the way that matters the most not in just like not just in the way of like you know the AFL-CIO long overdue for kicking out the pigs but in the way of downing tools applying pressure at the point of production yeah we literally have workers all across the United States, literally having a more and more of a class consciousness emer- emerging within them, and they're realizing that the only fucking thing that they have to lose is their fucking chains. Yeah, it's yeah, it's incredible, and it's like the Juneteenth rallies were <sighs> record setting, like. This was, like, these were demonstrations happening in places that never see demonstrations. These were, like, even though you're having all this, like, fucking cops and clan shit going on, you're still seeing huge numbers of people coming out. Um, Like, at the Longshoremen uh, march and rally in Oakland on Juneteenth, they had a vanguard of motorcyclists and a whole fucking caravan of like 300 cars stretched out for like miles behind this march that was easily like probably one of the biggest that's ever been seen in Oakland since at least the 2011 general strike when 40,000 people in a city of 400,000 people took to the streets. <sighs> it's yeah. And then in all of this, and, and this is like, and in the middle of all of this, our friends at Anonymous have returned. 
It, it, by the well, way, it's like just the little small potato stuff that popped up mm-hmm. really early. So can you mean something big? Can you yeah. tell me about this, this Doctor like, Robot res- episode? Well, this is like we're not like saying Anonymous has returned, like you know, like those small potatoes shit. We're t- saying Anonymous has returned, like the fucking fire sages are sending Lord Lord to the Fire Lord that the Avatar is back. So there's a new hashtag trending called Blue Leaks. And apparently, a group of Anons managed to acquire 239 gigabytes of police data going back 10 years from mostly the United States, but also several other places around the world. Not just the not just police data. We're talking about fusion centers, and I believe some of the agencies too. Yeah, like FBI, DHS. Like this is like a WikiLeaks scale dump. Like this is just hitting the news because no one has had a chance to properly like crunch the data and really figure out what the fuck to do with it. Like, keep in mind that when we had. A lot of the leaks. What was it? The leak that happened before the Arab Spring? Oh yeah, that um yeah, that was in WikiLeaks that they like busted. They basically confirmed that ever what everybody suspected that Ben Ali of Tunisia was a massively corrupt prick weasel. Um, and it basically they just provided the receipts. So <laughs> things kind of went from there. And we're as as the doc said earlier. We're talking about over 200 gigabytes of data from cops, from these fusion centers, from different agencies. This is stuff that journalists are going to be picking over, not not for days, not for weeks, maybe not even for months, for years and years and years. This is shit that is going to be going down, that historians will be writing fucking PhD theses on. Like, I guarantee you that if we fucking survive just the fucking mess that we're all in right now, and we manage to have a global revolution, then in some library somewhere, that you're going to be able to get a book about all of the fucked up shit that is described in this fucking leak. Yeah, this is like, this shit's in, like, I'm, I'm just like... That there is so much demand for getting this data that you literally cannot download the torrent because their servers are fritzing out. Like, there is literally no way that the police or these fusion centers or these, fed- or these federal agencies will be able to stop this information getting out. And earlier, we talked about the whole fucking shit that helped light up the spark of the Arab Spring, we're already dealing with major uprisings all across the U.S., in Minneapolis, in Atlanta, um, like in in many states and in many cities, record numbers of people. This is how things are starting out. Imagine what we're going to see in the next coming weeks, in the next month. Like, it's going to get so much more intense, especially if, the economy starts to temper tantrum spiral in August. Um, just wait until Trump and the Republican Party try to rig the election. If we have an election. Uh, I think they'll rig it. Uh, they'll try. 
but yeah, this is all that this is all of what's happening. So this is like you know, we you know if you had the Irish potato famine, the Arab Spring, WikiLeaks, um, what were the other bingos that came up today? Um, or any of the others, you know, hand in your cards. You'll get like a neat little button or something. We're working on that. Like, we have to figure out something that's, like, COVID-friendly. So, uh, with with all of this entire piss-shit, fuck-shit that is going on, like, I highly encourage each and every one of you to organize, to get involved with mutual aid networks, to do community care at... Like, and I emphasize the community care, like, for all of these protests, like, in general, sooner or later, people are going to burn out. If you're not taking care of the people getting burnt out, then it's going to be harder to sustain things in the long run. So I highly, highly emphasize the community care aspect, like, check in on your friends, make sure that they have enough food. Like, if somebody is losing their housing and you have a room or a couch, offer it to them. I don't, I don't care, like, if you're worried about, like, oh, about this or that, you know, it'd be so difficult to have somebody here, like, this is a time that we need to be in solidarity with each other. If you are not in a union already, I highly encourage you to unionize. If you are in a union, like, get involved with the rank and file organizing going on, because there's a good chance that the union bureaucrats in charge of the entire union don't give a piss shit about you. But I guarantee you, your fellow workers do care about you. So get so get involved with organizing and fucking fight. We have a long road ahead of us, and it's only going to get worse from here. So be involved, care for each other, and as the, the meme goes, aren't you tired of being nice? Don't you want to go ape shit? And don't forget to subscribe to our Patreon. Like what, like we said before, don't dress for the apocalypse that's happening. Dress for the apocalypse you want to happen. Hell yeah. So, I guess that's it. All of us at Chop Shop, good luck out there. Solidarity forever, motherfuckers. Bye, everyone.